Hi, and welcome to another great message from Noosa Church. We pray that you're impacted and inspired by this teaching. For more information and service times, check out our website at noosa.church. Enjoy. So this morning we're going to delve into one passage of Scripture in particular. Uh, We're going to plant there mostly. And we're going to really unpack an attribute of God's nature that when I grasped it and when he gave me a revelation of it, it transformed my life. It transformed the way that I interacted with God and then the way I interacted with other people. And this is one thing I really love about the Lord is that he's multifaceted. And to me, he's like the most beautiful of diamonds where, you know, you look at him at one angle and you see this side of the beauty and you turn it again and you see another side of his beauty and his nature. And it's like, I don't know about you, but it's like in one season, he's close like a father and I'm getting a revelation of his fatherhood in my life. And then in another, he's my friend, just close brother. And then in another, my beloved. And in another, you know, something else, I'm, I'm reveling at his glory and his, his sovereignty. So I just love how the Lord is like that. And so we're going to really unpack one aspect of God's nature that we find in Hebrews 4.14 our compassionate high priest, our compassionate high priest. So let's turn our Bibles there if you have yours, or if not, it's on the screen and you can read it, and that is okay. Um, And so in Hebrews 4, verse 14, and we're going to read to verse 16, I'm going to read the King James Version, just because, and that's what's on the screen behind me. If you have a different version, you might notice that there's a title inserted there, Our Compassionate High Priest. Quick side note, when you see headings in the Bible, um, they're great and they're awesome, but read beyond them because they're actually um, not in the original Greek manuscripts. And so what scholars have done in putting the scripts together is they've kind of summated, oh, this section is talking about this. And so the summation of this section is, they decided, is our compassionate high priest. And that's not wrong. I'm just saying in my studies of the scripture, that's been a really great tip to read beyond those headings and the chapters and numbers. It can really revolutionise your reading. And we'll see why the scholars came to this conclusion that it is our compassionate high priest, um, because it's, it's not wrong in any way. But let's read together. It says, Seeing that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast to our profession. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like us as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace in the time of need. So verse 15 in the New King James says, we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathise with us. And the original Greek word from the original Greek manuscripts there is sympatheo. I think I put it on the screen behind me. Sympatheo. And it literally means to have compassion or as the King James puts it, to be touched with the feeling of. Now just for a second, let's stop there. Because... When we stop to consider that out of all 
the traits that could be highlighted when talking about Jesus, our high priest. The description and the nature that is drawn out and chosen here is compassionate. It could have been anything else. It could have been our powerful high priest, which would have been fitting. He's powerful and he, was, he did a powerful thing by becoming our high priest, which we'll explain later. It could have been our glorious high priest. It could have been anything else. And yet it is our, our compassionate high priest. And that is significant, I believe. And we'll just take a moment to, to note that this isn't the first time that we see God, Jesus, Holy Spirit as compassionate in the Bible. Um, it's obviously the whole biblical narrative is a story of compassion at the end of the day. Um, But we see marked by Jesus's ministry, this nature of compassion coming out. It was a true mark of his ministry that we can so easily overlook when we read the miracles, a major on the miracles, how he was a healer and raising people from the dead. And we can miss these three words that are very often throughout the gospels when they're recalling his miracles. And those three words are, he had compassion, moved by compassion. And that's really important because that's the why behind the what. And the why behind the what matters so much to the Lord, so much. And so we can't overlook this. We have to give it a moment to truly receive what that means for us, for our relationship with him, for understanding his nature. And so on the screen behind me are just a few times that moved with compassion or having compassion is um, in the Bible, particularly the New Testament. Obviously, it's in the Old as well. Um, But this is just a handful. I just picked a handful, okay? So Mark 1 verse 41 when it's speaking of the leper being healed, it says, Then Jesus moved with compassion, stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I am willing, be cleansed. Then in Luke 7, verse 13 to 14, speaking of the only son of a widow who he raised from the dead, says, When the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said to her, Do not weep. Then he came and touched the open coffin and those who carried him stood still. And he said, young man, I say to you, arise. And then Matthew 9, verse 36, referring to Jesus ministering in all the cities, the writer says, but when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. And then we see it again in the parable of the Samaritan And the parable of the prodigal son, compassion is highlighted there, being filled with compassion. So let's define compassion because um, maybe married couples might get this. I think most people might get this. But have you ever gone to talk about something and you both have a different interpretation of that word? You both have a different interpretation of that concept, like you don't even start on the same base level because you have a completely different idea or concept of the thing. 
And so I think it's important, okay, if compassion is such a huge part of God's nature and we see it um, in the Bible, what does that even mean? Like often we don't take the time to even just stop and go, okay, so what is compassion? What does that look like? Just the time to meditate on that, you know? And so let's define it. And um, look, the English Dictionary does an all right job. Um, Gives it a little bit of an idea, but we're going to go further with it. And so the English Dictionary says, compassion is a sympathetic consciousness of others' distress together with a desire to alleviate it, which is lovely. Um, But I'm a nerd and I like to, like, go deeper. (laughs) So... When you look at the etymology of the word compassion, which is just the origin of the word where it came from, um, it comes from two Latin words, com and pati. So com meaning together with and pati meaning to suffer. So in its original form, compassion actually means to suffer together, which adds a whole other depth to it when you think about what Jesus did. Of course he can have compassion because he came as a human to suffer together. To suffer together. So we do not have a high priest who has not suffered with us. There is no suffering on earth that God Jesus has not experienced. Betrayal, Jesus knows how that feels. Loss, he knows it really well. Physical pain, and I thought childbirth was bad. And it was. Um, But physical pain alone, the most horrible way to die. Stress, he, he experienced stress. But you know what? More than probably any one of us could comprehend because physiologically, to sweat bloods, um, blood, to sweat blood, physiologically, that's like deep stress for that to happen. So we think we know stress. Not sure we know stress like he did. I mean, the fact that he experienced the loss of life, Earthside, and he wept about it. Have you ever stopped to consider the significance of that? In John 11, when it talks about Lazarus and how he went to raise him from the dead, I think it's almost comical that verse 35 is literally just two words. He wept. And I can just imagine the disciples being like, wait, wait, wait. He is crying. The Son of God is crying over his friend that has just died and watching his sister, his friends grieve over him. He's crying. We need to write, like, we need to include that so people know. He also cried. He also felt the depth of that pain. And so we don't have a God who is afar off and doesn't understand us in our challenges and the things we face. We have a God who gets it. 
who is near and in our grief would literally sit with us and weep with us. He would sit with us and weep with us. I hurt too. I hurt too that you're hurting, he says. And I remember the moment that in my deepest pain, I, that clicked. Like, thank you, Holy Spirit, that that clicked because honestly, it changed everything. I somehow went from sitting in my pain completely alone and, and knowing that there's God. But it was as if he's somewhere else and just watching me grieve. But the moment I realised this, that Holy Spirit brought this to life, I felt him come close and sit with me and cry with me. And it produced this intimacy and this unity with Christ that I've not experienced on that level. And I think that's a marker of compassion is it somehow brings intimacy and unity. When you think about tragedy in, in our lives as humans, have you ever noticed how we just like flock together? Um, the floods recently. You know, so many people affected and in our compassion, I guess maybe we didn't even realise it at the time that it is compassion, but we flocked together and we came together and we were suddenly so united in heart and in love over this common pain, this common suffering, this common tragedy. It happens all the time. I'm getting a thumbs up from Copeland, which my son, which is awesome. It's good. Thanks, buddy. That was so nice to see. Um, yes, yeah, so unity and intimacy. Um, that distracted me. It was really sweet. Oh, it was just so sweet. Yeah, I'll leave that there. I was at a funeral recently um, and something happened in one moment that brought this to life for me afresh. And I had already thought and felt that this word was the fresh word, the fresh manner. And um, I sat there and watched this eight-year-old boy weep over the loss of his father. And... Clearly, a lot of people broke down. <laughs> to watch that was really hard. And I, was, I, I thought, if I, in my mere humanity, in perfectness, in that moment, just wanted to leap out of my chair and envelop him in my arms and just let him cry and cry with him and then pick him up and go, let's, we can do this. If I, in my imperfect humanity, had that how can we think that God, the perfect Father, is not like that? The perfect Father, the one that in Matthew 7 verse 9 says, Or what man is there among you who, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, being evil... Know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your Father who is in heaven give you good things to those who ask? The perfect Father. And we, we can somehow get caught in this thinking that he's not close or that he doesn't care about our pain or that he's not with us in our pain. And it creates this distance between us that's not meant to be there. That's why he came. 
so that we could be close, so that we can be united once again. And that leads me to the second part of this verse that I really want to unpack because I like going deep into like words, Um, which is the high priest aspect. And I think that there should be no shame for us as Christians to go, what even is a high priest? I think it's okay. There are young people here that might not even know what that means. And that is okay. And I think it is our responsibility to explain these things so that verses like this can come to life the way that they should. And so let's do a history lesson, shall we? (laughs) So high priest, a high priest in Judaism, so think pre the cross Jewish people, the people of God. The high priest was the chief religious leader that had to come from the line of Aaron um, in the temple of Jerusalem would enter the Holy of Holies. He also had to be spotless and like without defect. Um, Once a year, he would enter the inner sanctum, which is called the Holy of Holies of the temple on the day of Yom Kippur, which is the day of atonement. And he would burn incense and sprinkle sacrificial animal blood to atone the sins of his own sins and the people of Israel. So that is what a high priest is. And so when we consider that this verse is actually written to an audience that probably is mostly Jewish at the time, some, some not, when you consider that that is their understanding of a high priest, this suddenly goes a lot deeper. Because what is happening is the writer is paralleling here the high priest of man and the high priest that is Jesus. And the high priest of man had to do the sacrifice once a year so that we could be with God, but not even the way that we are now. And he would have to sacrifice spotless lambs, perfect lambs. And Jesus came as the spotless lamb. So he embodied the sacrifice that had to be done once a year. He embodied that once and did it once and for all by dying on the cross, spilt his blood so that we could be spotless and blameless and without sin so that we could be united once again with the Father. So that is what a high priest is. He is our compassionate high priest. Compassionate high priest. The high priest that died on the cross and in doing so became that doorway between us and the Father that we could come and he sees not us and our imperfectness. He sees us in Jesus, covered in his blood, covered in his blood, perfect before him. Isn't that so beautiful? And I think that in describing the high priest that is now Jesus for us, he had to be compassionate. He had to be compassionate. It had to be compassionate high priest because that's how he chose to come, by suffering with us. And when you think about that alone for a minute, I don't know, I just think about these things probably way too deep, but... I go, God could have 
saved the world any other way. Totally. He could have clicked his fingers and gone, oh, you're all just coming to heaven now. This is just too much. Truly, he could have done it any way he wanted. And he chose the way of surrender. He chose the way of, I'm going to come meet you where you're at. I'm going to put on flesh and I'm going to experience everything that you experience as a human so that I can say, I get it. I get it. The Lord says, I get it. I get how hard it can be. I get suffering. I get pain. I get loss. I get betrayal. I get backstabbing. So you can come to me. You can come to me, which leads me to the next part of this verse, and we'll probably finish off in this kind of area. When you see the word therefore in the Bible, from now on, I want you to pay really close attention, because when I learned this in Bible college, it revolutionised my reading in another way, because it's so easy to just be like, therefore, blah, 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 blah. That's so nice. How lovely. Um, but therefore is a super key word to the manuscripts, to the scripture. Because the key word of therefore, so we're going to put the scripture back on the screen behind me so you can kind of get an idea of where, what I'm saying here. But therefore is basically saying, because of this thing mentioned before, this thing can happen. So let's read the scripture again together. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of of grace. I have keys. Sorry. Um, unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace in the, and to help in the time of need. So let's look at this therefore because this is significant. How do we come boldly unto the throne of grace to obtain mercy and find grace and find help in our time of need? How do we do that? Oh, by understanding that we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities but was in all points tempted like as we are. That is how we can come boldly. If he hadn't been touched with all our infirmities, I don't imagine we would come awfully boldly before him or confident in knowing that you understand this state I'm in. The, f- the whole reason and the whole way we are able to come boldly with confidence to that throne of grace, to the holy of holies, directly to the Lord, is because we have this high priest who is filled with compassion for us. And he says... I get it. I get it. You don't have to be ashamed. You don't have to be ashamed. You do not have to be ashamed. 
and live ashamed. He gets it. He gets it. And then once we come boldly and we're there, we are able to receive the mercy and the grace that we need in our time of, of need. That's where we get our help. But if we never come boldly because we never understand that God is compassionate, then we won't come boldly and we won't get the help. And I think that's where a lot of us get stuck. And I think that's why the, the Lord said there's a release because once we realise we can come boldly and then get the help, there's a release that happens from there. It suddenly releases shame and it releases the need to be perfect on our own. It just releases so many things and it all stems back to our compassionate high priest. We come boldly to the Lord, to his throne, because we know and we understand he is compassionate in being our high priest, in being the one we access the Father through. Isn't that beautiful? Just beautiful. So it is in and by his compassion that he is moved, that he moves. It is in and by his compassion that he comforts. And it, it, it is in and by his compassion that he draws us near and that there is intimacy. And that is the word for us today, that we would come boldly because we know he gets it. That's why he came the way he did, to be our high priest, so that we could be free. Amen? Amen. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed this teaching, that you've been encouraged and challenged. To stay up to date with our latest messages, you can subscribe to our podcast. For more information, resource or service times, please check out our website at noosa.church.